Hi, my name is Ben Conley, and I serve as Director of Training for Saturate. Welcome to this episode of the Saturate Podcast. On today's episode of the Saturate Podcast, we're continuing our mini-series on genuine community. If you haven't yet, check out the first episode in this series with Bob Goff, Doug Logan, and Melissa Ice. Today, you'll hear from Trillia Newbell, Daniel M., Jeff Christofferson, and Atanasio Segovia. I hope that as you consider this episode, you'll hear about the necessity of genuine community as it relates to our discipleship. You'll hear about mission in the context of community and how much we all need each other, especially in this moment as we re-navigate life together after a year of being separated. You can head to genuinecommunity.com for more info and to download the first chapter of a book I got to write called A Field Guide for Genuine Community. And of course, you can join Saturate as a member at saturatetheworld.com. There you'll find hundreds of resources on living in authentic, genuine community, as well as everyday discipleship and life on mission. But for now, let's jump into our interviews. Julia Newbell, author, speaker, writer of children's books and Bible studies and other things that my family has in our own bookshelf. Thank you so much for joining me today as we talk about genuine community for a few minutes. Absolutely. My pleasure. And Julia, what does genuine community look like for you in your household? In our household or in the church? In your household. Okay. Okay. Well, in our household, community looks like us gathering together. We actually have a um, bit of conviction, if I can use that word, to eat together. And so for our home, one of the ways that we build community is to make sure that we have at least some time during the day where we gather together. That's usually dinner. And um, I know it will look different at different stages of life, but that's for our home for community. Yeah. Nice. And then how does that overflow into seeking that for the church? Yeah. So hospitality. So inviting others into our home. And then, of course, when we're gathering, it's not just that we're together, but we're also communicating. So we're making sure that we're um, sharing our lives, sharing our sorrows and our hopes, our highs and our lows. And so we do that in our home, but also invite others to do it with us. And then, of course, in the church. Um, making sure that we are committed and 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 be being there, I think that matters. Yeah, the the very presence of other people and the the sharing of life that's that's actually a lot of what we explore in kind of the one of the another commands in this new book on genuine community. Yeah, you really can't. I'm sorry. I know you probably were going to ask me another question, but you really oh, wow. you really can't obey much of the New Testament. In isolation, you need that community. You can't do one another's alone in isolation. So, um, so I, I think it's so important. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you literally asked the question that came to mind: is why is community so vital for discipleship? And I love that you said it. You can't really obey Jesus in isolation. You can't. You can't. And yeah. it's so important because it's also the way that we love each other, which of of course is the command <laughs> to love God and to love one another. And so. As we're building relationships, it's an expression of love um, to encourage one another, to build one another up. And so there's so much of it to to 
rebuke one another, to really correct one another. That's a part of loving our neighbor. We can't do that in isolation. So community um, and this one another man, or uh, I don't want to use the word mandate, but this because each scripture is so different, but but the sure. this one another ring um, is in, essential to the growth of the church and and our our personal lives. Yeah, yeah, and, and theologically we know that, and when we read the Bible, we see it in in your experience, and as you've worked with uh, other everyday Christians and ministers and fellow authors and speakers, I mean, what what makes it so hard to to put those things into practice? Okay, so I have. I try to seek it pretty intentionally. What makes it hard, I think, is time, right? And then also we're human. So so if we're doing this well and we're doing this right, we're going to likely offend someone or we're going to be rubbed wrong. And so what makes it hard, I think, is learning how to communicate well, to forgive, to really bear with one another. Oh, those one another's again. Because I really think that real community, authentic community, however you want to say it, mm-hmm. is when the rubber meets the road, is difficult because of our sin nature, like that we will sin against each other. And so we have to be willing to really extend that forgiveness and grace and forbearance and love in order to continue to open up. Another one thing that's hard, and this I stole from um, Ray Ortland, is you can have what he calls uh, gospel doctrine, right, without gospel culture. So what can happen is, is you can start to share, and if the response isn't filled with grace and uh, love and um, patience and care, then that will hinder community. I'm not going to share if someone's response is of shock or or um, disgust or condemnation. That will hinder the um, community and sharing and the one another, which happens often in the church. Yeah, yeah. And, and yet you described so many beautiful things about it a couple minutes ago. And, and so it's just another picture of death to life. Although it is a risk, we're putting ourselves out. There's something in us has to die. It feels like uh, there, there's a, a laying down of self, a laying down of our desires. But man, on the other side of it, we find such beauty, as is so often the case in anything that echoes the death and resurrection. Amen. <laughs> I have nothing else to add to that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> So as, as we continue to kind of move out of COVID in this timely moment, it's not lost on me that I wrote a book on community while most of the world is in isolation. Um, what is what is one of your hopes for your own church and community and then for the global church as we step back into or perhaps step into something more real than what we've experienced previously? Well, you've just kind of set, answered it. I hope that we step into something maybe more real than we experienced previously. But I think what's going to be difficult for a lot of people we are habit forming people, right? So we build habits, we build muscles. And I think it's going to be kind of this new muscle that it, we've atrophied. Community is, is a muscle that has atrophied. And so <laughs> it's going to be work that's yeah. worth it. It's going to be labor that's worth it. But I, I do think some people will jump right in and be so eager and excited where others, it's going to be a little bit of a, okay, we're going to do this and it's going to be good because we have 
found ourselves in isolation and we've had to um, for the good of our community and for the good of others. And, and so I think it's going to be something that we're going to have to build that muscle and then we're going to see that it's good again and um, that it's needed, that we this is the way God has intended us to live. Um, so, so I think that's what I hope for is that it's that there's this beauty that you speak of really eloquently and that it's more real than we experienced before, um, but also that our muscle for it grows because I think it's going to be something that we have to, um, it's going to be a buildup of and from our lack of being in community for so long. Yeah. Oh man. It's God, would you give us the grace and boldness to desire that and, and the, the spirit empowerment to, to take a step toward that. And I don't, I actually think your book couldn't be better timed because we need it. We need this reminder. We need to be reminded, Hey, now we need each other more than ever. We've needed each other before, but I think we're going to see that need. And so a book like this is, um, it couldn't be a better time to remind ourselves and re-educate ourselves of what community is and what community can look like and how we can engage with one another um, yeah. in a biblical way. So I'm excited. I think it's good pl- placed in a good time. Yeah. That is the hope and prayer for sure. And thank you for your writing as well. Thank you for writing Bible studies that are meant to be walked through in community and for helping kids understand the, the broader community, even those who might look or be a little bit different than them. And thank you for all the work you put yourself to and the way that you let God use you. Um, and thank you for the few minutes we've had together today, Trillia. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Daniel M. Logger, pastor of Beulah Alliance Church, podcaster and all-around good guy, thank you for joining me for this conversation today. Hey, it's great to be with you, Ben. I appreciate the way that you are leading Beulah into deeper community. I know that's a huge heart for you. And so, Daniel, what does genuine community look like for you personally? Yeah, I mean, over this past year, we've been trying to figure that out. Uh, especially with the pandemic and all that, right? So uh, obviously Acts 2, uh, 42 to 47 is huge uh, in regards to, hey, where are we heading toward? But to try to make that tangible uh, and uh, realistic for our congregation, we've been using um, these words to gather, grow, give and go together. So we've actually adopted those as what we call our practices uh, that we're just trying to make regular normal language in and around so that people understand, hey, you know, as a follower of Christ, we gather, grow, give and go. Uh, to grow to as a follower of Christ, uh, we gather, grow, give and go. But we actually hitch the word together onto each and every one of us, yeah. uh, one, one of them to emphasize the importance of community and to give a picture as to, oh, okay, so we got to do this together. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And, and, and what an interesting season to be promoting togetherness. Um, one yeah. of the things that I write about in the field guide for genuine community is just the yearning that, that COVID has brought into a lot of yeah. Christian worlds. And 
you're in Alberta. I'm in Texas. Mm-hmm. We, we opened up a little bit before you did, a lot before you did. And so how, how have you seen some of that yearning in your people, maybe who didn't even know they, they wanted community? How has that yearning grown? Yeah, there's a little bit of the tension of, man, I'm becoming more and more aware of how much I need other people. Uh, but then the gap is also growing, too, in the sense of, but how? Right? How do I do that? And then there's that whole notion of uh, social awkwardness and the sense of, can I go into your home? Can we do this? Do I even remember how to do that? Uh, so for us, especially on the yearning side of it, um, it's just in my preaching, I'm always talking about the fact that, hey, we got to do this together. We need to live this out together. You know, solo, being on um, a device by yourself, streaming a service once a week is not community. Um, and even necessarily doing that together with others once a week is not community, even if you're in person, right? You got to be in a group. You got to be um, in the word, praying for one another, connecting with each other. And then, you know, sharing stories of that lived out, uh, personal stories too, uh, has helped. Yeah, yeah. Do you think some of those things that you just mentioned are the hardest parts of, like, take COVID out of the picture? Do you think some of those things are just in general the hardest parts of community for people? Yeah, I think, I mean, take COVID out of the equation. Part of it is, why do I need it? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? So the, the blessing of COVID is it's actually created this visceral gap that, hey, what's missing? Uh, what's missing? And, and obviously it's not uh, community in and of itself that's going to fill that. It's, it's experiencing Jesus. It's meeting Jesus. It's seeing and tasting and, and feeling the gospel lived out in community. Uh, that's actually going to be the thing that satisfies that. But, you know, there's fake community. I mean, that's a bounded um, and it still abounds, and, and our culture still tries to sell it to us. Yeah, hundred percent. That's that's a lot of why why I wrote my book, and even a lot of some of them yeah. lie that you address in "You Are What You Do." Um, yeah, yeah. Because then the favorite part, on the flip side, is just when you see actual folks break through, right? I know from yeah, that, that's right. You see folks actually, which takes a lot of humility, goes against culture. Have mm-hmm. you seen that become some favorite favorite moments in community for you? Yeah, I mean, for people to taste. It for the first time is some of the most inspiring things. I mean, I've been intentionally discipling these three guys over the last year. Uh, in fact, last week at the time of this recording was our second time meeting in person. <laughs> Once was last summer, and, and yeah, yeah, and it's just been online, right? It's just been via Zoom. And to see gathering after gathering, um, these moments where the guys are literally saying, I have never shared this with anyone else. Um, And then for them to grow in courage and grow in vulnerability with one another. And then to, for me as, and and I'm I'm a pastor and I'm a discipler, but for me to actually just step back and sit back and see the other guys in community asking each other follow-up questions and digging deeper and hearing them pray for one another and follow up and be like, hey, I'm going to actually follow up with you after we're done our group because I need to know that, right? (laughs) I mean, that's that's just, that's incredible, right? Because it's them it's one thing to preach it and it's another thing for them to desire it and long for it and to, 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 to want it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of desire and longing, last question, I know Edmonton is back and forth COVID restrictions wise. Mm-hmm. What, what is your yeah. desire? What is your longing um, for your own community and for the global church as we come out of COVID? 
whatever and whenever that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I love Leslie Newbegin, the missiologist, and, and one of the things that he said that's just so stuck with me, and this is a paraphrase, is that the church is a hermeneutic of the gospel, yeah. right? The church is how the gospel is interpreted. It's um, understood. So when I think about that, it's, you know, we need to continue to faithfully preach the gospel and share the gospel and share who Jesus is. But you know what? I mean, unless we have healthy community, biblical community, gospel community, unless we have that, people aren't going to understand and connect the gospel message to, um, you know, lived out reality of life. So I'm just praying that we as a church embrace that, embody that, um, and can give, uh, you know, be, be the tangible expression of the gospel to our lost and dying world. Yeah. Well, I will join you in praying for that, especially as you continue to transition to the lead pastor role of Beulah Alliance. Mm-hmm. For anyone else who yearns for the same thing, a lot of what Daniel just said is, is exactly why uh, we wrote a field guide for genuine community to help answer that yearning to help folks go from theory and theology into some practical tangible steps so daniel thank you so much for the time today thank you for your own writing uh, you are what you do is such a fantastic book that gets to the heart of so many lies and i just really appreciate you friend awesome thank you ben Jeff Christofferson, Executive Director of Church Planting Canada and Founder and Missiologist with Send Institute. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Great to be with you, Ben. Ah, thanks. Um, all right, jumping right in. When you think of genuine community, Jeff, what does that look like for you? Yeah, it, it's, it's to me, it's fruit. It's not the goal. And... Um, I, I think I think when we make it the goal, we end up making a artificial kind of a, a thing that that doesn't it dissipates and we end up eating each other after a while. But when it's the fruit, it's um, the goal is then say, all right, what is what has the king asked us to do? <laughs> and uh, and so we get that right, and we get sort of the kingdom thinking, and then how do we how do we engage our community together? And um, and so we figure out that missional engagement, and then we form that biblical community as 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 a result. And um, and so it's permissive at that point because it it allows. Um, people that wouldn't necessarily fit in, but all of a sudden the mission is sort of the, the common uniter, and um, and uh, and it, it's 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 the difference between a, you know a, a book club and a you know a football team or something or something. There's a there's a there, we're in a battle together, and uh, and so I think when when community is um, when it's Jesus community. It, it is, it's not just sitting around, you know, sharing feelings. <laughs> it, it does that in, in, in the journey of the mission. And so um, I think when I, when I think of community, I, I, I can't pull it out of mission. And, um, and when, it is, when it is pulled out of mission, I think we're, um, 
Yeah, I think we miss the heart of it. Yeah. And on both sides, everybody bringing their best to the table is, is such a needed part of community, of genuine community and also mission. And so there's even more of that intertwined nature mm-hmm. between the two. Yeah, the, the sense of incompleteness that we are, um, we, we come realizing that I'm, I come with an incomplete perspective on everything. And, um, and I need the body <laughs> to help, per, help sort of complete that perspective on whatever this thing I'm looking at or trying to decide on. And, um, and so, yeah, I think, I think community, re- it really makes, you know, a community on mission makes the image of the body of Christ make sense. Yeah. And, um, and it's hard to make the image of body of Christ make sense when when um, community becomes the focus or when um, community is, you know, is is sort of in this amorphous worship service kind of thing. Um, and and uh, I saw a thing, a meme today on Facebook by a well-meaning guy who, you know, is a great guy, but um, he, he was trying to distinguish the difference. He was trying to get people excited about coming back to church again and not doing just church on the sofa. Mm. And, um, and I'm thinking, dude, you're missing the point here because neither of them, you know, you, we don't do church. It's not, it's not, yeah, it's, it's anyway. So <laughs> you can't go on, yeah, on right. a rant. So well, and you may, you may be getting into the second question I want to ask you. I was going to ask you, like, what do you think is the hardest part of community? And then even just personally, what is your favorite part of community? Mm. Yeah, I think the hardest part is um, the humility it takes. Mm. Like I'm, I'm, you know, an old fellow now. I'm <laughs> in my fifties, and um, I'm, I'm in a you know spiritual community with new believers, and um, and and learning from them all the time, and um, and so. I think that perspective, I, I, I like to think it almost almost like, you know, King Arthur's Knights of the Round Table a little bit, where even though I might be the most grizzled person there, I, I, um, <laughs> I have a lot to learn. And, uh, and I'm, uh, and so, so my, my, one of my favorite parts of community is just those serendipitous, like light bulbs that come on to me from, um, Understanding and seeing something that I had never seen before or understood before, and it took that six-month-old believer to help me get there. And uh, so that's that's kind of a cool yeah. cool thing. I love that image that even the you know even the child contributes to the to the family, if you will, uh, mm. and and how we think about that in the household, but we don't think about that in the church community. It's always the I won't say oldest, I'll say wisest person in the room talking about you, Jeff. Uh, it's always the, the stereotype of you need to pour into the 40-year-old, you need to pour into the 20-year-old, you need to pour into, and, and that's just not, that's not how families operate. You may carry more weight, but everybody's contributing. Right. so cool. And, and you do have that responsibility right. to, you know, pass down what you have learned, but you need to do it with an open heart and open spirit, but you're also, you don't know everything. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. What's your hope as as we come out of this unique season of, of COVID? What's your hope for community, both either your your own community or the the national, international, global church? Mm. Well, you know, hmm. so I, I'm I'm a little bit. I was very optimistic and excited about the opportunity COVID would provide for us. You know, and say that's a terrible way to say, but the pause button that's hit, and um, 
because so many pastors I talk with, speak with, speak of a longing, like they're involved in something every day that doesn't look at all like the call that they remembered. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they, they, they desire a simpler, purer, more important thing. <laughs> and, um, and so this, this idea of church that we have constructed in our, in our own image in many ways, um, when it, when it got trashed by a virus and it could not even, you know, it's like, okay, now is our opportunity. And with Send Institute, with Christ Together, we, we work together in, in coaching cohorts for over 1,600 leaders across North America. And in rough, you know, my probably more forward-leaning pastors, people, if they were engaging with us, they probably were trying to think into the future a little bit. And of that, uh, maybe 25% of those 1,600 of the most forward-leaning were actually in the process or thinking about making some changes. And, and through that process, probably only 10% made some kind of change. So 90% were heading towards homeostasis, you know, get us back to where we were as quickly as we could. And um, so that's my, so my optimism has faded mm-hmm. some. But for those, for that 10%, I, th- I, you know, I just sense the Holy Spirit saying to me in this season, speak courage to leaders. Um, they, they, cause God has been speaking to us and, um, trying to get our attention in this season and that the church of Jesus Christ, um, was never meant to be a worship service. And I, I know we know that we've, we've already figured out it's not a building, but I think a lot of us have a harder time really, really believing it's not a worship service. And, um, and so there's a month, there's a, 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 a lot of people, including you know, a lot of people I am hanging around with that are making structural changes to de-emphasize that. And so that the community of Christ can um, have the margin, the bandwidth to be able to um, love one another and uh, do good to the household of faith, you know, and, and have the, the opportunity to serve the community with the gospel. And, um, and so there are a number of churches making some substantial shifts, and I, I'm, I'm encouraged by that. Just wish it was more. That is encouraging. I, uh, I, I hear your yearning in, in, in your answer, and, and I, I share it. I think one thing, I'm in Texas, you know, so we uh, went back to quote-unquote normal uh, a little earlier than where you are in Ontario. Baseball um, state. Yeah. Cold, yeah. <laughs> but so many people during the years, you know, recognized some deficiencies or recognized some changes they wanted to make, and, you know, it felt like there was some, in, in some churches, uh, a commitment to say, okay, we're going to do things differently. And and I've even felt this tension in my own life and seen it across churches and going, well, we want to do things differently until we have the first opportunity to return back to how things were. And then right. all of a sudden, just the, the normal tide and what we know takes back over. Um, like, I mean, you just think about this. The um, In the second and third century, the church exploded. And there were two huge pandemics, each 15 years long, in both those centuries. And um, in the midst of that, the church was seen as, you know, the best news there was, the way they behaved. Now, in this pandemic, we're seen as the worst news that there is in how we behave, uh, how, how we don't serve and what we demand our rights, you know, and it's just, a, it's just so, so there are a lot of, lot of leaders that are saying, all right, nope, 
we reflect the culture way too much. We don't reflect the kingdom, and um, and we're going to make some big changes. And so I'm I'm excited about that remnant at least. Yeah, me too. A lot of the things Jeff and I are talking about is exactly what uh, led uh, to this book called A Field Guide for Genuine Community. Um, and so more themes are fleshed out there, uh, hoping that we don't just return to how things were, but we actually step into something that God invites us into that is more real and authentic as we move from facade into being a spiritual family. Jeff, thank you for your work with Send Institute. Thank you for everything you do with multiple organizations. Thank you for Vinal Dogmata, uh, which is a fantastic book that's on the shelf behind me and a great storyteller that God has made you to be. I'm really grateful for these few minutes we got together today. Great to be with you. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for what you're doing. Thanks, Jeff. Ignacio Segovia, mi hermano y director de Familia Soma. Bienvenidos. Gracias. Okay, in English. Ignacio, uh, what does genuine community look like for you? So for me, um, I think of genuine community like a taco, right? There's different components. Uh, you can't have a taco without a tortilla. You can't have genuine community without the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Like, that's essentially like the core piece. Um, so genuine community is formed through the gospel. It's held together by the gospel. Um, and another key component as well is that, and what that looks like, I would say practically, is people that have a lot of differences, in spite of those differences, still have community. Uh, so in my context, for example, the community that I belong to the church that I belong to, uh, the reality is that most of us would not be hanging out. Mm. Um, there's different socioeconomic ladders, which is a challenge in Mexico. There's different skin tones, which is another challenge in Mexico, the way uh, not just races, but skin tones interact. That's a big problem down here. Mm. Um, there's different ages. There's different things. So a genuine community looks like that in spite of all of these differences, people that would not be hanging out together, that would not be in the same place together, come together because of Jesus Christ. It's motivated by the love of the Father, right? We're able to love one another because the Father loved us first. But I also think genuine community looks like something that was put together by the Holy Spirit. That can't really be explained. It's, it's countercultural. It's different from what's normal. Um, and I think it's also measurable. Genuine community is measurable. Like how well are we um, following all of the one another verses in the New Testament? So there you go. That's that's the taco of genuine community. Very nice. Now, is it a Tex-Mex taco with a pound of cheese and flour tortilla, or is it like a real taco? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I would say a taco in our context, south of the border. No cheese. There you go. We we have we have non genuine community tacos in Texas, and you have the true genuine community. It's different different ingredients. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on that, I mean, you, you lived in Bay Area, San Francisco area. You've lived in, in Mexico. Talk a little bit about the kind of the natural flow of, of familia in your, in your current culture compared to what you've seen some of the states. There's a big difference. Um, I would say in the United States, I almost feel like the church is 
trying to figure out or rediscover community, genuine community, uh, for many reasons. But I think one of them in the States from what I experienced was and what I noticed was it's a highly individualistic society, right? Like, so it's very structured, my life, my things, my time. Um, so I think the challenge in the States was that it, it, it really felt like recreating something that was lost. Uh, but also kind of like it's countercultural in the sense that you're asking someone to give up a huge value, which is their individualism. Not that it gets erased, but surrendered a lot. And Mexico is different. Um, down here, we're a collective society. So community and family, it's all baked in. Uh, you know, uh, as a Mexican, I don't see myself as an individual. I always see myself as part of a group, part of a family part of a you know a larger thing um so it's not so much what what do i desire individually but rather what's good for the group um so communities baked into the culture however i would say that it's shallow uh, first and yeah. foremost right it's like yeah let's have community let's hang out but don't go too deep into my life that's one of the challenges but redeemed community looks different right it's people opening themselves up people sharing their life people willing to do that. And, and there's an openness to have other people speak into their lives freely, which I, I didn't see that much in the United States. It felt a lot more, like a lot, it required more work. So there, there's difference, right? One, recreate, the other one, I would say reshape. Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting is that both both need the re, the, both, both have a starting point that, I mean, like we said in the subtitle, is moving from facade to family. and. And so even though there's different starting points, what I hear you saying is there's both in both cultures, there's nuance that, that block genuine community from truly being genuine community. Yep. So you listed some of the harder parts. What's, what are some of the most beautiful things, your favorite things when a community can break through those things and become I mean, real? It sounds weird, but it's, I mean, I say this half jokingly, but it, you know, the gospel works when you're seeing <laughs> Uh, lives transformed and people it's almost like drawing out what 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 christ is already put inside of us i think it's 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 taken out already what's in there i, I don't think you can actually become fully who you are without christian community genuine community we need each other we need the different giftings we need the different perspectives but what's beautiful is in being able to see like a brother and sister or you know myself included be transformed by the gospel in community. I, that for me, um, I, I haven't really experienced that much. Uh, I've been able to experience it a lot more recently, but also being able to see people just maturing and growing. And, and I would measure that by transparency, right? When you have genuine community, people are willing to open themselves up, knowing that they're not going to be shamed, they're not going to be hurt, but rather they're going to be loved, edified, and, and transformed. So anyways, that's my favorite part of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and what is your hope? Kind of a quick final question. What's your hope as, as we come out of a year of, of isolation? I know it looks different in Mexico than it does in Texas than where other people are watching from. But what's, what's your hope as it, regard, as it relates to community for your own church, for the global church, for Familia Soma? Um, I'm hoping that we learned. I, I, I'm hoping that, that we learned to see more like the organic part of the church. I would argue mm -hmm. that it was more like the structural part of the church that was shaken and a lot of things probably needed to be shaken 
So my hope is that it, 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 we don't come back the same, rebuilding what was there, the focus on, on programs and events and things like that. But my hope is that we learn that one of the most beautiful gifts we have through the gospel is that we're saved you know, individually, but we're placed in, into a group, into a family. So my hope is that we come out of this, my local church, Familia Soma, the global church, uh, valuing community a lot more. My hope as well. Thank you so much for lending a story to the book. I'm excited for folks to get to read that. Thank you for your friendship, your perseverance and persistence for your continued work in discipleship and church planting across Latin America. Love you, brother. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for the opportunity, bro. Thanks for tuning in to the Saturate Podcast. This episode was part of a special mini-series surrounding a new book that came out this summer called A Field Guide for Genuine Community. You can visit genuinecommunity.com for more info, for lots of resources to help groups and churches, and to download the first chapter for free. And to become a Saturate member, visit Saturate the World and get access to hundreds of resources to help and encourage everyday disciples and leaders just like you toward gospel saturation.